It's me. It's me. You counted. You counted. I counted it out. All right. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Cross Politic. Thank you for joining us on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Network. Pastor Toby, Chalk Knox, I'm the water boy. We also, we'll get into the second, we have Peter Hitchens on the line, but before we get there, make sure you guys are joining the club. We're trying to produce a show every day this week while we're all or well, some quarantined. Sort of while some, sort of some sort of content. While it's still legal. While it's still legal. <laughs> <laughs> get your guns. Hey, with us right now on the line, we got Mr. Peter Hitchens. Peter Hitchens is a... An English journalist, author, writes for Mail on Sunday. He's a former uh, foreign correspondent in mm. Moscow, Russia, not Idaho, okay. and uh, Washington. He has published eight books, including The Abolition of Britain, The Rage Against God, which I'm, handing, I'm, sta- I'm holding here in my hand right now, um, and The War uh, We Never Fought. Uh, Peter, thanks for coming back on CrossPolitik. Well, so far, it's okay. That's I, I, I... See how it works out as we go on. Yeah. It only gets better from here, Peter. Come on. You know how it works. You're always a little reluctant. Well, but. you know, I, I, I don't want to presume on anything. Let's get on with it, shall we? Yeah, yes. <laughs> so um, you're just having a dandy time there uh, in London, I hear. Well, I'm not in London. I'm in Oxford. I can't go to London. Uh, I'm no longer allowed to go to London. I would probably be stopped by the police if I attempted to go to London. Wow. Uh, We are in in a nascent police state here where we have been infantilized and uh, treated as children and not allowed out of our own houses unless we have a a reasonable excuse. Uh, Basically, the old English rule of freedom, which is that everything is permitted unless it's, it's prohibited by a specific law passed by free parliament has been reversed, and we now can't even leave our houses without uh, w- without a, a reasonable excuse. If I am stopped when I'm out by the police and I can't give a good account of myself, then I could be fined without any court appearance, uh, wow. 30 pounds, something in the region, $35. Uh, and if I don't want to pay it, then ultimately I would end up in court. So it, it's, it's, it's enforced by threats. And it, in some areas of the country, it's more serious uh, and being imposed a good deal more I should say heavy-handedly than it is around here so far, though it's, it, as the streets get emptier and emptier, and so as those who dare to go out in them, for the two excuses which are generally acceptable apart from family emergencies and such, uh, to go out and do some shopping or to go out for a, what's called brief exercise. <laughs> uh, the streets are so empty wow. that those who are out will increasingly attract the attention of the authorities, I think. It'll be harder and harder to do so. Yeah, right. uh, when, I went out the, when I went out this morning to buy newspapers, for instance, it was, uh, it was noticeable I saw hardly anybody uh, and police cruisers going by more than once. And you just feel ashamed, in my case, mm. uh, that your country has come to this. What law? Uh, it, what, it, it, it's not, what law are they referencing? What law are they referencing to to shut? Well, actually, it's legal. The the, the, uh, the Public Health Act of 1984, good date to choose, uh, which is, is is the Public Health Act Control of Diseases, uh, which was introduced supposedly to control infectious diseases, and under that they've made some regulations, uh, which they claim are for the public benefit. Uh, one very distinguished uh, judge on what we call our Supreme Court. Uh, Lord Sumption has has criticized this and suggested that the legal basis of it is thin. But the fact is that on the statute books of of English law, there are all kinds of extraordinary laws which enable the government to do practically anything it likes, Mm. including one called the Civil Contingencies Act, which which was passed quite recently, 
which could ultimately be used to turn this country into a dictatorship. So it's not that they're acting outside the law. The, the fascinating thing is that this is popular. Yeah. Uh, one opinion poll taken at the weekend showed that 96% of the population support it. Wow. And that those of us like me who say that it's disproportionate and wrong are actually faced with quite a lot of abuse. When I go on social media, which is the only way I can, in fact, interact with, uh, with, with anyone outside my immediate family, uh, then I get uh, insulted quite a lot for being told that I'm in favor of killing the old. Yeah. Now, Peter, which I, as as I am old, I can absolutely <laughs> reliably insist I'm not. <laughs> now, Peter, last time we talked to you, we talked to you about Brexit, and one of the analogies that has just stuck with me since that that interview with you is you talked about how you you know Brexit or or uh, the UK or Great Britain is like a an atrophied muscle, and it's so atrophied yeah. it can't recover. But it seems like they're flexing some authority now. It seems like there's some. Well, this is not. This is this is uh, uh, any Ruritanian state, any banana republic uh, can have a government which says you can't do this and you have to stay at home and it's curfew time. The curfew is the resource of, 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 of crummy uh, illegitimate authority down the ages. It's why it's so shaming to be under one. Uh, but what's fascinating, I say, is that there is no. All the institutions of civil society have failed. A parliament failed. The opposition in parliament didn't oppose. Uh, those who were supposed to scrutinize uh, the, uh, the, the the whole thing didn't do so. Uh-huh. Uh, almost all almost all the media rolled over and died. Uh, the <laughs> the legal profession said nothing. All the people who are generally caterwauling about the human rights of criminals or whoever it happens to be fell totally silent when the entire country was placed under house arrest. Yeah. Uh, there's been nothing from the civil service, and above all, of course, nothing from the people. No sign of civil courage. Yeah. Uh, the general attitude it, when you go out in the street is quite extraordinary. It's as if the country has been taken over by a new religion, <laughs> to which you do not belong. In my case, wow. So people yeah. will, if you're walking out on a on a on a on a towpath along the river. Now I respect these things because when I'm in a country with a strange religion, I always do respect it. I think it's only polite. So if people want me to stay seven feet away from them in case I infect them with the deadly coronavirus, then I will do everything I can to keep the distance. But if you say cheerfully hello to people out on the street, they look away as if the very act of speaking to you might cause an infection, <laughs> and uh, as if you're you're showing too much levity. The other day I was in the supermarket attempting to buy some fish. And I was looking at the label to see how long it would be before it went bad. And so looking downwards, and I saw so the corner of my vision, two legs coming towards me. And, 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 and then I could see two hands waving rather frantically as if somebody was trying to bat away a mosquito. And the person coming towards me and was, uh, was, was trying to gesture to me that I should get out of the way so that we didn't get within six feet six or what is universally called two meters uh, in um, by the government uh, so we couldn't infect each other. Oh, wow. And I did the terrible thing. I, I smiled. <laughs> At this point, there's a total explosion of rage. That I, was, I wasn't showing enough seriousness about it. I, I wasn't showing enough reverence to the government and the, wow. and the beloved, what is called our, our National Health Service, our NHS, which is the nearest the English now have to religion. I, I yield to no man in my admiration for the hard work and bravery of, of nurses and doctors and 
uh, facing the danger of increased infection and working very hard, and that you know, that's that's great. But I, I don't. It's not the whole essence and being of the nation yeah. that we protect a health service, which actually is not. Let whisper it. Not all that good most of the time, and one of the reasons why it's suffering now is because it's inadequately protected by by good personal oh, protection equipment, yeah. which means that, that, that of course the infections of the medical staff are probably greater than they ought to be. Wow. So I, I won't get involved in that aspect of the national religion. There's a kind of ritual where people sometimes stand out in the street and, and, and applaud the our sorry our NHS, which I would not get involved in because this seems to me to be like the either like being back at boarding school or like being in a totalitarian country. <laughs> neither of which appeals to me. So, so P- Peter, yeah. uh, so you're. Uh, um you're an unbeliever. I, I can. I, I can um, and I'm a complete. Un, I'm a complete unbeliever, and, I, and it's very simple. I'll tell you why. Because I've actually examined the case, yeah. and particularly, it was very interesting work done by Professor John Ioannidis at Stanford University yeah. on the the ludicrous claims made of uh, of mortality rates from the coronavirus. Yeah, uh, which you complete. It, it, you look at it; it's 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 tremendously clear, very easy to read, beautifully done. Ioannidis is a is a wonderful. It's a wonderful debunker of, of, of pseudoscientific nonsense. And the claims made of the number of deaths that will result from this because of alleged high death rates simply don't bear examination. So that's one thing. And then there's a, there's a very fine do- doctor in Germany, I think was born in the USA, called Sucharitz Bhakti. Uh, yeah. That's uh, Sucharitz, S-U-C-H-A-R-I-T, and then Bhakti, B-H. A-K-D-I. It's worth looking at. He's made two videos in German, but they have subtitles. And if you go to the Peter Hitchens blog, you'll find, um, you'll find translation of the first one. But he basically says he's a very, very eminent doctor in this field. He says the whole thing is a complete folly. Uh, and one of the worst things about it, apart from the fact that it's, it's based on all kinds of wrong presumptions about the way in which the disease spreads and its danger, mm. is that the measures being taken, and the wholly disproportionate measures being taken, yeah. uh, will force large numbers of old but healthy people to become ill because they won't, they're, they're losing all their social contacts mm. and they're losing much of their exercise. And these are the things which keep them alive. And so an awful lot of people, sort of in my age group, in the late 60s, early 70s, the, the, the healthy old, uh, will face grave danger to their health from this kind of thing. And at the same time, of course, the economic damage is catastrophic. You go down to any of the shopping uh, streets or the, the high street in Oxford, apart from food shops, and oddly enough, shops selling newspapers, yeah. and one or two other privileged uh, joints, almost everything else is shut. So it's so huge. We're very, very much a service economy here now. Yeah. So a huge part of our economy is simply shut down. And the government is saying, well, we'll pay 80% of your wages, as if the government had a, a magic money forest uh, at the back from which they could harvest money at will. They do. Well, <laughs> it's not true. And we all know what will happen. They'll find the money now, but then they'll get it back from us in other ways later on, particularly, yep. I would imagine, I mean, in, by, by the destruction of savings by inflation, which is already well advanced, and, of course, from various uh, hidden taxes. But yeah. the, the, we've only just really got out of paying the enormous debts we contracted during the Second World War. Mm. That that only ended less than 10 years ago. And we're now putting ourselves into an economic position not dissimilar from the one we were in in 1945, of more or less bankruptcy. And it's not, there's no evidence that this shutdown will do any good. If you look at the countries where the the coronavirus has been, whether China, South Korea, Hong Kong, Singapore, what you'll find is that each one of them used a different method to tackle it. And you can find no sign of any sort of pattern 
any consistent pattern of the connection between what was done and what happened next. Huh. And then you have countries such as Japan and Sweden, which are not engaging in lockdowns, and I think yep. most of Latin America as well, uh, where, 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 where simply it, there simply isn't any evidence that smashing up your economy and strangling your civil liberties actually mm-hmm. saves a single life. But because it, it, the government keeps on insisting that's what it's doing, the extraordinarily credulous population and a, an absolutely supine media, with a few notable exceptions, uh, are, are, are not are, are not opening this this thing to discussion, so it's not debated. And we had one great breakthrough today, which was uh, Lord Sumption, Jonathan Sumption, yeah. a very very clever a judge who previously sat on what we call our Supreme Court. Okay. Uh, came out and said, and it's worth looking up again. You go to Peter Hitchens' blog. The details of this is transcribed and recorded. He went on national radio and said uh, that the whole thing was an absurdity. Wow! wow. And uh, yeah. a, 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 and, and uh, it, 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 the result was not that the world said, "Oh, good heavens!" That one of the one of the cleverest men in the country is against this. Uh, the result was instead that uh, it was suffocated in silence. Mm. And I went again on social media as energetically as I could to publicise it. But it was noticeable there was a press conference, the government press conference, which is held every day on the supposed crisis. Uh, and only one very oblique question was asked about Lord Sumption. And hardly anything said. Now imagine if a, if, if a, a member of the U.S. Supreme Court had, had intervened in a political crisis of this kind in, in such terms, and, and the faster would have been. Uh, I think you have a more lively uh, political and media system, um, system, or whatever you want to call it, than we do at the moment. Oh, it was yeah. sh- it's shocking to me how how supine and passive and flaccid uh, we are, and how there's no as I said, no civil courage. There's no. Uh, there are lots of individuals who are prepared to, to laugh at it and, uh, and mock it and criticize it and, and indeed put, as I have for two weeks running now in my newspaper, The Mail on Sunday, serious, considered arguments against it. But you don't get anywhere because nobody takes up, nobody, nobody comes and argues with you and says, actually, I think you're wrong because all that happens is that people queue up to shout four-letter words at you or call you a, right. yeah. whatever it was. Right. Sounds uh, like our so, university so, system and, there. And, and so there you are. That's, uh, that's the level of, of most of the debate. Yeah. So, Peter, we'd like to play a game here at CrossPolitik. Um, what we want to do is put you Give in the, the magic shoes wand? of Boris Johnson. Ooh. So what if, you, what if you're prime minister for a day, how would you be handling this situation? Oh, completely differently. I would, I, I would have it proportionately. I'm perfectly uh, at ease with measures such as, as people taking extra hygiene measures, uh, as the Japanese do, for instance. If everybody was asked to wear face masks, I wouldn't mind. But I don't myself think that the, the, the real problem lies in, 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 in the level of, of, of infection, for instance. It's very likely that many people in this country have already had the infection and are immune. Right. What I certainly wouldn't do would, cripple, would be to cripple the economy because it's never good for the public health to cripple an economy. Crippled economies mean unemployment, they mean lower wages, they mean lower standards of health and safety in workplaces, they mean lower standards on air pollution, uh, they mean lower standards of food, and therefore they're a grave long-term danger to health, so it's a silly thing to do, and I would absolutely not try to insist that the population were confined to their houses. I think you have to get this into proportion. Here's another crucial thing here, which I think is a, is a problem in the United States, which is that, uh, and again, there's a fascinating article in this week's London Spectator by, by uh, Dr. Lee, uh, which is well worth looking at and can be read on the net about this. The, 
huge numbers of deaths are being recorded as, as COVID deaths. These are deaths where people have died with COVID-19. Right. But then they haven't died of it. And mm. the huge numbers yeah. of people who die are actually very old right. and already very ill, either with serious cancers right. or with cardiovascular problems, which are a great killer, right. or with respiratory problems. And these people die, and they're recorded as having died of COVID. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, when it, I, I don't know what the figure is in the United States, because I, I haven't looked it up, but in, in, in this country, there's a population of something like 70 million. 1,600 people die every day, as a matter of course. They just do. You couldn't stop it, because right. they get old, and they get old and ill. And that's what happens. People die just as people are born. And the, the, there is a danger, it seems to me, of getting worked up about the deaths of people who would almost certainly have died anyway. Uh, and classifying them as if they were deaths from some mysterious plague. Yeah. And working the nation into a panic. I, I just look at all this. I think I'm not looking at, 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 at normal, intelligent people. I think I'm looking at a government which has panicked, a government of, te yeah. of teenagers, which was faced with, with, uh, with, 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 how should I put this, alarmist advice from some scientists who don't by any means represent the whole body of science on this matter, and was so scared of being blamed if anything went wrong that they just went immediately for the most repressive measures. And the problem with that is when you, once you've made a mistake on this scale, the mm. bigger the mistake, the harder it is to admit. Yeah. The harder it is to backtrack. The, right. the harder it is to, to say, we got this wrong, we're going to do something else. But no, I, I would not have any difficulty in saying, look, I'm prepared to, 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 to accept whatever risks are offered. I would certainly also make huge efforts by spending quite a lot of our high currency reserves to get decent personal protection equipment for the for the health service workers who I think are being put at risk because there is a this is factual. You remember the doctor in China who yeah. who first raised the issue of COVID, right, yeah. who died. I, I believe he was not ophthalmologist, but he was certainly in one of the branches of medicine which involves getting very close yeah. to your patient. And if you're very close to a lot of patients with COVID, you're likely to get it in a much more, if you haven't got really good personal protection equipment, you're likely to get it in a much more intense form than most people suffered in. And that's why these people die. Mm. Uh, and, and, and therefore, this, this simple business of both getting decent personal protection equipment and I think also testing medical staff to see if they've had it and have immunity. Yeah. which I think quite a few probably have, yeah. uh, so that those who have immunity are put more in the front line and those who haven't are withdrawn from it, would be sensible, directed, proportionate, wise, effective, ameliorative policies which would actually work. Yeah. Those are the sorts I'm in favor of, not these wild, flailing panics which, is, which the current government is engaged in. I know these people. I, I've, 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 got, I've spent time with politicians in this country, I have I have no great regard for them. I don't look on them as all wise or, or all competent. And on this occasion, I do feel I'm I'm, I'm faced with as really teenagers who don't actually know what to do. <laughs> wow! You know, so of Oz. You know, there's, there's a tiny little quaking figure behind the behind the noisy grassy front. Um, right now we have you. We're we're live with Peter Hitchens, and um, on Facebook, people are asking. One of the questions was, "What about all the cases that we see happening right now that the ICUs are filling up?" Um, if you're prime minister and you're saying, I know that you said not to isolate everybody, but I'm sorry, sir, we have a bunch of people coming in ICUs and they're filling up. Oh, this, this thing is worse. Well, than give me the figures is what I'd say. We have, we have had in, in, in recent years, uh, serious influenza epidemics, uh, which killed many, many thousands of people in the, in this season of the year. I don't think that at that, the time that these happened, 
I, I think in one year, I think something in the region in this country alone, 27,000 people died. And I think the average number of each year in recent years of, of influenza deaths has been 17,000, uh, which is way above anything so far experienced from alleged uh, COVID-19 deaths. And I, as I sort of would say again, you must be very careful to distinguish between deaths from COVID and deaths with COVID. And I never remember this this level of fuss about the, the, the undoubted pressure on intensive care units, which happens every winter in the National Health Service. Every winter the National Health Service has a crisis. But in the previous crisis, I don't believe television crews were encouraged to go into intensive care units, mm. uh, nor do I believe the government uh, closed the, um, the, the country down, uh, prevented uh, internal and international travel, and forced people to stay at home. I, it, it, and yet, uh, it, 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 it's, you have to ask these people, what are your figures? Uh, what is it that you know that says that this is worse than anything we ever had before? Because all the people I know who work in this field say, well, actually, it's not uncommon uh, to have these, particularly, in the, I think the winter has gone on longer in this country normally than usual. It's, it's quite cold and it's been quite wet. But in, this, in the winter period of the year, the, the British National Health Service is almost invariably, if not overwhelmed, under very heavy pressure yeah. from seasonal illnesses, particularly among the old and ill, who, as we all know, are the ones who fall most, uh, most, uh, most readily to, uh, to disease and infection. That's the way it goes. Yeah. That's the way, the way so, we'll all go. So the question we need to ask is... So it's not, it's, I don't, I don't buy that one as, a, as an argument. They, ha, they have to show me with, with actual attested figures that this was significantly worse than any previous yeah. ICU crisis that the National Health Service or anyone else had ever had. And I think the same goes for Italy, which we're told about all the time. And we're undoubtedly, beyond any doubt at all, huge numbers of people are being classified as COVID deaths who died with it. Uh, but not, but not from it. In fact, in some cases, they they established that they they have COVID after they've died. Right. This is so in uh, in the United States. I know our numbers in 2017, 2018, we had 85 million cases of influenza and 61,000 deaths. Yeah. And so, I mean, it can be very serious because there are strains of influenza which turn out to be resistant to the vaccinations that have been given. Yeah, out. yeah. but it's uh, always compared and, to and, what. And, 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 to and what? It, it, it can be very big, and it, and the thing is, it's happened, and it's source of news, but it isn't elevated into this level of crisis. Right, <laughs> this crisis has been created by 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 by, by actually making the public scared. Yeah. So, 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 Peter, what is this revealing about us? Because we seem like you said ninety six percent approval rating for what's happening right now over where you're at. What is this saying about yeah, us that we're willing? Well, to, that's what I'm told. Yeah. So, so, what is this saying about us as people? What are we willing to give up over a, a you know simple crisis like this? Well, I don't know. I think it's. I think there is a terrible conformism in society, and I think a lot of it came first of all from television, which tends to promote a certain image of what people should be like, uh, which is, is fantastically conformist. Mm. And I think that was then reinforced by social media, which do the same only more powerfully. And are terribly good at making people who are, who, who are dissenters feel alone and, mm. uh, and utterly eccentric. And I think that that is a, a major problem, this, this desire to run for, you know, run with the herd, to think what everybody else thinks. I was brought up in, a, in what I now recognize to be another era. We, we were very much encouraged to think for ourselves and stand up for ourselves and, uh, and to be individuals. And this is no longer the case. We were also, in, in, in the very distant Britain of my childhood, we were brought up to 
be very proud of the Lewises, which we had inherited from our forebears. I don't think one person in a thousand in modern Britain has even heard of our Bill of Rights of 1689. Wow. Uh, So it's, let alone know what it contains. A few know what Magna Carta is or what it means or habeas corpus or all the other things that we have. And so to them, the idea of of being confined to their houses is not as it is to me a revolting shame, but a, Mm. a minor inconvenience which they can be persuaded to uh, endure for the sake of of what I regard as an imaginary common good. Wow. People are very suggestible. Yeah. And what I, I find, and I think there's also, there's a, as I say, I constantly use this term because it's very important. There's a lack of, of civil courage yeah. Uh, yeah, among absolutely. those people who should show yeah. it. Members of parliament, journalists, uh, it, 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 figures in the law, which is why it was such so heartening today to hear Jonathan Sumption saying what he said because I. This is one of the, the great thinking minds of, actually of our country. He's not, he doesn't have my politics, but he's undoubtedly a, a very considerable thinker. He gave the BBC Week lectures last year, which are well worth a listen, yeah. particularly on his very keen analysis of the difference between the US and the British Constitution, which I found fascinating. But uh, to, to hear him say this is, this is all dangerous, hysterical nonsense, and that we're tending towards a police state, yeah. uh, was to me a, a great heartening moment because I didn't, and feel anything like as alone afterwards as I had before, but I do feel pretty much alone. I mean, so Peter, and of course, I don't have. Well, I nor- normally have the, the chance to go into the office and mix with other yeah. journalists and you discuss it with them because we're not allowed to go to the office. I can't. Wow. I can't even go down to the station and go to London. So, right. Peter, this is uh, this is not just a Great Britain problem. This kind of groupthink, um, just no resistance. There's three billion problem. people exactly. in shutdown right now in the world. In the three world, three billion people. I know. I know. But most of them are in countries where they're more used to it than they are here. Yeah. That's true. That's yeah. right. When in, in one of the wow. things, one of the things I love about your book, I mean, in, in China, is there's no great shock, is it, to be told what to do? Yeah, right. No, they're used to. In Britain, it is. So, what's what's the connection in in your book, The Rage Against God? You spend a good bit of time actually pointing out that atheism is directly connected to totalitarianism. So, I mean, that would go to your China example. Um, well, it's state worship, isn't it? It it yeah. it, 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 it tends to it tends to, if you it, 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 the the religious belief and belief in God is is, a, is the opposite of the belief in, in in temporal power, and it sets itself up against it. And yeah. where there is religious belief, temp, uh, which is strong, then temporal power tends to be weaker. There's also the, the, the great distinction between the the earthly utopian and the religious person. The religious person believes that man is made in the image of God and can't be changed. Uh, the utopian political uh, reformer. Uh, believes that man can be changed and into something else, and therefore that all kinds of things can be done to human beings to make them change, which the, which the Christian would mm. balk at. Yeah. So these are these are profound differences, and the post-Christian society is, I think, more vulnerable to this kind of thing. But it, 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 whether a Christian society could survive in the electronic age is, is an interesting question. It doesn't seem to be doing too well at the moment. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yes. One of the things that the, the churches the churches here are closed. You cannot go to church. Right. And that's that's some yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's just North Korean. You can't. The churches are locked. You can't go to them, even to pray individually. You can't get in. 
I think that's our last. That's might be the difference between us and you right now. I think our last holdout, I, I, like you said, I think in the the, the individual realm, we kind of lost that battle. But the institution of the church, I still think, is holding out here and playing our cards close to see how the federal government is going to react. Because I think they're watching it. They're watching to see what they're going to do. And there's kind of this little shiny thing over here. Well, to tell- he had de Blasio in New York City right. yesterday threatened to lock up churches. Right. But he hasn't done it yet. But the pushback yeah, that I I've think, seen. I think they'd have a, a lot more difficulty. I mean, it's quite it's a funny story, really, about my own church. And there aren't many of us. It's a small village church I go to. And it's not a big congregation we, we, we manage. But the, the church wardens who do the secular side running the church went to the the church authorities here and said, look, don't you worry. There's so few of us. We can stand so far apart. We're not going to affect each other so we can stay open. Yeah. And they, the, the church authorities didn't even laugh. They said, no, you may not do that. You have to close the church. Wow. Uh, there was, it was completely rigid. There wow. was not, there was no flexibility in it at all. We, we could, we could, alas, easily have, easily have uh, socially isolated yeah. in church if we wanted to. Yeah. I see. I think our churches here are, are looking to say, you're not going to tell us to do that. We're going to be here. You're not going to push us around. Uh, you know, and I think that's our last hope here in America right now is our churches. Well, yeah, but you see, if you don't challenge the factual basis of this hysteria, you'll lose because they'll turn around and say, what do you, you think your, yeah. your worshipers should go to church and help kill people? Right. 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 Old right. people. That's what they'll tell you. They'll say, you, you, and putting hospital workers at risk and, and overloading the, the intensive care units. Unless you challenge the factual basis of the coronavirus claim and say, actually, these death rate figures are not true, uh, but you're putting forward the, the, the mortality rate figures are not true, that the, the cases are being classified as dying of, uh, 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 dying with, which are actually dying of, right. uh, that your projections are, 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 are guesswork. If you don't challenge all that, then ultimately this is the argument which comes at you. You want to kill people right. if you don't stay inside. If you don't stay away from church, it's, it's because you're selfish and you want to kill people. You don't care whether you kill people. That's what will be leveled against you. Right. It's very hard to resist, which is why the only way to fight it is for people to fight it by saying the case for this shutdown does not exist. There is no, there is no evidence whatsoever that shutting down the country uh, reduces deaths from coronavirus. In fact, uh, and, and there's, not, there's, there's, no, there's no correlation from all the many countries that have experienced lockdowns. And what is even more important is not the faintest spark of, co- of, of, of a causal relationship. Mm. And on the basis of this, uh, that they're adopting this, probably the most radical policy adopted by any governments in the Western world in history. Wow. On the basis of nothing except speculation. Peter, with all the freedoms that have been given up just in this short amount of time, what does Britain look like now after COVID-19? Well, it looks like a large, well-ordered cemetery. (laughs) Wow. Well, that was... Johnson Johnson did say they could have funerals. Well, that's about it. Uh, yes, but you can't. But they have to be very small. They can't be held in churches. Right. Uh, only, very, only the immediate family can attend. Right. And no crying, because crying might spread the, uh, yeah, the, the COVID nineteen. I, I haven't heard that, but uh, no. It's, 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 <laughs> Peter, where are you going to be? Right? Are you going to certainly continue? no? Certainly no smiling. That's right. That's right. No smiling. So I, I'm guessing you're going to continue to fight. You're going to continue to write. How can we find you and read? Well, your I know what I can, but I, you could. It, 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 the thing is that whatever I do, it, it, unless it's picked up and argued about, then it just it, it, it's just smothered by silence. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It's not. There's no need. Totalitarianism can be very soft these days. I can carry on saying what I say and posting what I post and tweeting what I tweet, and, and they just ignore it. Mm. And there might come a moment. So I'm not. 
I would not rule it out. There might come a moment uh, when they start saying that uh, that I'm inciting people to, uh, which I'm not, uh, to uh, fail to, to socially isolate, or that in general my my writings are unhelpful to the national effort. I don't know. I I, I would rule mm. nothing out under Probably. current circumstances well, at so all. Hit- Hitchens Don't be blog. surprised by anything that you hear from the from the country formerly known as Great Britain. Wow, Hitchensblog.mailonsunday.co.uk is Read where you can. he's <laughs> blogging while it's still legal. And find him on Twitter. Yeah, you, you also you also need to look out for Clark Micah on Twitter. Yeah, Don't Clark. ask me why it's called that, but that's that's who I am on Twitter. All right, Peter, thank you so much, man. We appreciate you. I hope you stay safe and uh, unarrested. <laughs> <laughs> me too. But, you know, no, thanks a lot. Keep keep smiling nice defiantly. Nice to you in the land of the land of the land of the, of the more free than we are. <laughs> okay. If you're single, get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, go baptize them until tomorrow. Uh, if you're single, whatever tomorrow, go fight, laugh, and feast. I just lost all of that. I forgot we're not doing a show tomorrow. Are we? All right. See, Peter, you got me all flustered now. This is cross politics.